Father, we just thank you that we have opportunity to gather in the name of Jesus. Lord, we are here in purpose. We're here according to your will with expectation for the ministry of the Holy Ghost. We thank you, Father God, for the ministry of the Holy Ghost. We thank you, Lord God. Lord, may there be an impartation today. Wisdom, understanding, knowledge, an impartation of strength in our spirit, Lord, that we are all the more enabled and prepared to fulfill your calling upon our lives. Use this time, Lord God, to transform us, to change us. We thank you, Lord, for the work you've begun. May this moment contribute to your work being done. In Jesus' name, amen. Just a quick, quick review. Uh, I want to say this every time. The call is to the heart and grace is to the call. So we, we look at, well, what has God done in my heart relative to the call? And we should have expectation of his grace or whatever it takes to bring it to pass. <laughs> John, I, I don't know. Are these things on behind me here? I'm hearing too much of myself. You can't take yourself too serious. I don't like to hear too, too much of myself. <laughs> oh, my. I don't want to preach like I'm in a 55-gallon barrel. Okay. Grace is the heart. Excuse me. The call is the heart. Grace is the call. The threefold call, and it's the foundation in moving forward with studying the call of God. It's first a call to him call to fellowship, as it says in 1 Corinthians 1, 9, a call into a, a relationship. If you try to do other things and you don't have that, you will fail because you'll be in your own ability. I mean, that's all you have. We're called first to him. Secondly, we are called into sanctification for the glory of God or to completely give ourselves to his purpose and plan for our life for the very reason we're on the earth. So there are times of, of sanctification. There may be certain moments and times where there was a greater consecration and yielding, but then there is the ongoing daily of that. Just like you may have had an initial, well, you would have had an initial baptism in the Holy Ghost, but then we continue to be filled. It wasn't, yeah, I was filled with the Holy Ghost 52 years ago. No, we need to be filled fresh every day. And, and the consecration, sanctification of the Lord uh, it's the same way. So we, we recognize that we are called first to him. We are called into a, a separated life for his purposes. And then there is the calling to work. We cannot put the calling to work ahead of a calling with him. Or again, we are limited to our own ability, our own efforts, which will ultimately fail us. So we're going to begin focusing from here on more so on our calling to work. Uh, many of you are already in ministry, various degrees. Uh, whatever he's called you to do, that's ministry to the Lord. We do it unto him. It's as a service to him. It's not about status in the eyes of man, but rather what does the Lord call me to do in terms of the work, the contribution we would make. You know, when you... How many kids do you have again, Josh? Four? You have four children. What's your youngest? Seven. Okay, who has like an infant in here? <laughs> What's your name? 
Sarah, and how old is this one? 19 months. She's probably not contributing much to the household just yet. She's learning and growing. But the day will come. This all yours here? Who's the oldest here? And how old are you? 15. You mow the lawn? You, uh, you all live on a farm? No. So you're not dunging out barns or anything like that. But, you know, as you're getting older and you're maturing, there's a work going to be assigned to you, and that's part of your growth as well. But you're contributing. You know, there are some in the body of Christ, they don't know much of anything yet, and their contributions very, very limited. But even for them, they should learn to put their hand to something. I remember when I was first saved, I was at uh, a family gathering, and there was a cousin They asked me, uh, do they preach salvation at that church you're going to? I didn't even know what the word salvation meant yet. <laughs> well, they did, but I, I was brand new. I didn't know anything. But in that state, because of I was so grateful for what the Lord had done for me, I wanted to do something for him. So I had an old pickup truck. It was the truck of many colors. Just 1963 Dodge. Full of dents and it had all kinds of like seven colors of paint. It had house paint on it even. I had some horses. So there was, uh, you know, dunging out the horse stalls in the back there as well. Every now and then a, a maple tree started growing in the back of my pickup truck. And, you know, you know the little seeds flopped down. Uh, yeah, <laughs> I don't fit into New York. I'm a Pennsylvania boy. But I wanted to do something for the Lord. I had a strong back, did masonry work, and a pickup truck. Now, I started going to this large Pentecost, or uh, excuse me, charismatic church. And there was a lot of young people, and they'd always be moving. There was a lot of young single girls. And they always had a third floor apartment with a big upright piano. And the challenge was how to get it down the steps without putting holes in the walls. Because you have those old apartment buildings, you know, and the steps are real, you know, it's narrow, and narrow steps, narrow passageway. But the thing is, you, you do what you can. There's always a work to do. You don't have to be a Bible scholar to serve the Lord. You start somewhere, and God's looking at that, and he sees he'll do what he can. She'll do what she can. And he might have other things planned for you. He couldn't show me that at the time, or it would have blew my mind. At that point, prior to getting saved, I was purposed to be like Dale. I didn't know Dale. But to be a hermit living out in the mountains by myself, raise my own food. And that's why I had horses. I was getting all ready for it. Belgium workhorses, you know. Beautiful animal. And uh, I came to realize at the same devils tormenting me and the sin that was in me would just be with me out there. That people were not my problem. My problem was I needed Jesus. <laughs> so when he saved me, I mean, I just, I had to do something. And I had to be able to tell somebody and talk. And because of drug use, my, my brain was slowed down. Oh, I'm getting in. Oh, somebody must need to hear. I wouldn't plan on this at all. My brain was so slowed down. I started going to a, this church and of course, they had the uh, uh, 
singles person mall, I mean singles meeting, and you know, you go shopping for a spouse. I'm being facetious, but a lot of young people do that. Okay. I want to encourage you, don't do that, young people. You don't shop for a mate. You let God ordain it and bring that person to you. That's another story for another day. But um, where was I? My mind was slow. Yeah. Thank you, Randy. Randy's heard this before. He knew where I was going. From, from using drugs, and literally, I mean, I go in one of these fellowship meetings with all these other, you know, like 20-somethings, and I wanted to participate so bad. My brain, it literally would take me five minutes, and I'm not exaggerating, five minutes to think of how to answer what they were talking about. So do I finally get around to being able to, to talk? The conversation switched three times by now. That doesn't make you the life of the party or somebody anyone wants to be around. But the cry of my heart was, Lord, set me free that I can share and talk because I have something I have to talk about and share. It's just the fact of who Jesus is and what he did. Well, he did. He did set me free. You know, to where, I'm speaking, I was, at that time, I was the shyest person I ever met. And when you're doing drugs every day, you multiply it times 10, I couldn't talk. Why am I saying that? I didn't plan on saying any of that, but, I, but I, I believe I know right now. Don't make an excuse for why you're not obeying the Lord. Don't make an excuse for, and put something off into the future. Believe God today for whatever it takes. It might take you getting set free. Sometimes it takes money to buy, buy the plane ticket to go wherever. Whatever it's going to take, believe God. He says, I am the I am. I'll be whatever you need me to be. So therefore, all excuse is removed when it comes to doing what he's called us to do. You know, Moses tried to make some excuses. Well, I'm not very good talking. And, and God really was kind of rebuking him there. He wasn't too happy with Moses making these excuses. No excuses. As long as you have an excuse, you'll never get set free of a thing or you'll never advance forward. Okay, well, let's get to our text here. Galatians 1.11. I was going to preach something else and this morning God said, no, that's not for today, this is for today. So here we go. Galatians 1.11 says, I certify you, brethren, that the gospel that's preached of me is not after man, or didn't come by man, Neither received I of man, neither was I taught it, but by the revelation of Jesus Christ. For you've heard of my conversation in time past in the Jews' religion, how that beyond measure I persecuted the church and wasted it, and profited in the Jews' religion above many my equal in my own nation, being more exceedingly zealous of the traditions of my fathers. But when it came... But when it pleased God who separated me from my mother's womb and called me by his grace to reveal his son in me that I might preach him among the heathen. Now, what, what the Lord showed him in the beginnings, he's going to be sent forth to the Gentiles and the Jews did not believe the Gentiles could be saved. Their problem was they didn't know the word of God very well because the book of Isaiah spoke a multitude of times about the Gentiles coming into the kingdom of God. 
but they didn't have that revelation. And Paul understood that because he was the most studied man of his day. And he says how he was so zealous. His zeal led him, you know, in, in your zeal you have a, a strong motivation, urging, energy, something driving you. And, and he thought the church was anti-God. So therefore, he did all that he could, all of his energy to destroy the church, to destroy the people of God. That was Paul. And he had advanced in, in the Jews' religion, as he says at verse 13, and the epitome of it was how he persecuted the church. And it says he profited in the Jews' religion. You know, in religion, and, I, and I'm not talking about the denomination down whatever street. Let's not do that. You can start your own religious behaviors and activity. So don't be thinking like that. Just because so, you came out of something, praise God if you came out of something. Just don't get back into the same patterns. Amen. See, a lot of charismatic, whatever label you want to put on it, they just created a new, a new religious activity. Well, you have to do this and this and that. And the, and the essence of religion is you're trusting in what you're doing and not in the Lord. You're trusting in your own actions. We need to obey, but we're not trusting in what we're doing. We're trusting in Him. So he had profited. He had uh, excelled. He had advanced. He had recognition and status. Saul of Tarsus was the man. And he was very proud about it. And back in Philippians 3, when he talks about, I count all things as dung, what he was talking about is his status. He achieved status in the eyes of the community in which he was raised. He was the Pharisee of Pharisees, concerning the law, blameless. I mean, he did everything, everything according to the law. Concerning zeal, persecuting the church. Attacking what they thought was the enemy. And he, he came to see he was wrong. He was deceived. He was blinded. And therefore, he understood other people who were zealous. Because in Romans 10, 2, he says of the Roman uh, Christians, they were, I mean, of the Jews, that they were zealous but not according to knowledge. Pure being, purely being zealous is not necessarily a sign of being spiritual. If you have zeal but it's not according to knowledge, you're zealous about the wrong thing. Now, I enjoy... Sports and uh, my team's the Eagles. They won two years ago. I mean, all these years, he, he would tease me and say, the oh, Steelers would win, you know, and, and the Eagles. Yeah, we, always, we have these private jokes that go public. And but anyway, there's people get zealous. I mean, they're so zealous about their sports. And what's good, they're zealous, but... They're not zealous according to knowledge. And, and it's like that with so many things. You know, people, some people love, say, motorcycles. They're zealous about their motorcycles. They're zealous about music, but not according to the knowledge of God. It, you can have a zeal for anything. That in itself is not spiritual. And, and there was uh, somewhat of a move like 20 years ago or so where people were exalting being zealous toward the Lord above just knowing him. That'll always pass away. 
That stuff passed away. What are you left with? You're left with the revelation of Christ that you have. That's what's going to sustain you. With the word of the Lord in your life. Well, Paul's saying he, you know, he, he had excelled. He had put himself in. But he, he came to understand that the status he, ga- he gained was worthless. And there in Philippians 3, he's saying, I just want to know him. We're back to the calling to him. Versus a calling to a place of status. And, and I'm, I'm bringing this word up about status uh, and saying there is a lot of that in the body of Christ, even circles we run in. I'm not talking about any, any of you. But I'm saying a lot of ministry, they get into the status of it. Well, who has the wildest prophecy, the biggest miracle, the most numbers? And that will always end up with destruction because it is rooted in pride. And God will not continue to bless someone when man begins to exalt himself. So I'm just tossing that warning out to us. We, we judge ourselves in these things. We don't ever want to get caught in that. Now, if someone uh, appreciates you and they say, thank you, 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 know, you bless me, well, that's okay. Just say, praise the Lord, you know, thank you. you know, I'm glad that you were blessed. But that doesn't make us who we are, nor should we be seeking that. Our seeking, that has to already be established in, I'm called to sanctification for the glory of God. My whole being is to glorify Him. And that which He would do through me is for that purpose. Okay, well, he says here, He received this gospel by revelation. He received it by revelation. And the call of God is based on a revelation from the Lord Jesus Christ. He is revealing to you, first himself, but then he reveals that which he would have you to do. We we do not emulate someone else. In Galatians 5, that's one of the works of the flesh. You cannot say, well, I'm going to just do what Dale's doing. See, how did you do that? I'm, how, I want to I wanna do that. You know, when people do that, they're usually wanting either the fruit or the, 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 the respect that someone else is getting for their obedience. Never try to be someone else. You'll fail at that. You be who God made you to be. Well, be like Jesus. That's who you want to be like. And we have people as examples. Paul said, follow him as he follows the Lord. We have the example Uh, follow the faith of someone who you would look to as a leader. But ultimately, you have to find his plan for your life and understand that there is a grace that corresponds to that call. And that's for you to lay hold of and, and see the things he would have you to do or he would want to do through you, through your obedience. And it'll be the grace of God doing it. So Paul's recounting it a little bit here about his calling, and I want to establish in this session the point that it's by revelation. It's by revelation. We, we live and move and act out of the revelation of Christ we have. You don't do it because somebody else told you to. It's because, you know, it's the Lord's revealed, this is what he wants me to do. Now, when we understand that, then we also gather and understand not to compare ourselves to anybody else. 
Many times people will feel better about themselves by picking someone, well, I'm not like that drug addict. I'm not like that thief. I'm better than this ministry gift. God doesn't want us doing that. You just fulfill what he has for you to do. Now, I want to jump forward here in the book of Acts. And there are three different accounts of Paul's initial encounter with Jesus and his calling. And I want to go to uh, Acts 22 as he's recounting it. In all three times, he shares the same thing that he encountered the Lord on the road to Damascus. He got struck down off his high horse. There's a lot of expressions we have that come out of the Bible. Holy cow! Well, that's back in Exodus. <laughs> they built a holy cow. <laughs> Falling off the high horse. Well, that's the Apostle Paul. I saw of Tarsus at that time. But he encounters the Lord, and he tells that part the same. But then with, the, with each account, there's some things in the different ones where he, he tells something he didn't tell in the other one. That sounds like you, Dale. I hear certain stories, and then I'll hear, oh, yeah, and there was this part over here. Now, that doesn't mean the other time I heard it was saying anything wrong. It's just you remembered another part of the story, or it became relevant by the Spirit. So I'll use him as an example with that. Sometimes people, they think, well, there's like a discrepancy in the Scripture. Like with the writers of the Gospel, some of the things uh, were same events or same things Jesus said were told by different gospel writers and one might have a certain part and another another part and it's not that oh I guess so and so missed it but sometimes you put them together and you get the full picture one in particular was the centurion and a servant being healed but I'm not going to go there now I'll just plant that little seed for give you something to do tonight when you're laying there on your bed okay well, in Psalm 22, he encounters the Lord. He says, Lord, what would you have me to do? That is always the reflexive response of meeting the authority of God. He met the Lord. And his initial reflex is, what would you have me to do? There was a conviction came upon him. He said, who are you, Lord? And, and his immediate response, what would you have me to do? And the Lord says, go to Damascus, it'll be told you what to do. Sometimes we come into this state of mind where I, I need to know what to do. We become very uncomfortable when we don't know what to do. Well, guess what? There's a lot of times in life, you don't know what to do. Don't be afraid of that. Sometimes there's things I don't understand the word. And someone asks me, I'll just say, I don't know. Sometimes people feel they have to have the answers to everything. I don't know everything. Do you know everything, Dale? Sometimes you just say, I don't know, but I'll find out. I'm going to seek the Lord. And it might be that same day, and it might be 20 years later the revelation comes. <laughs> uh, well, sometimes you don't know what to do. And the, the supernatural gift of the word of wisdom is God telling you what to do. I know certain favorite preachers teach us speaking about the future, but I don't see it. The knowledge of God's knowledge of past, present, and future. A word of knowledge could be relative to the past, present, or future. 
wisdoms, being able to use knowledge, just knowing what to do. And when the army surrounded Jehoshaphat, he didn't know what to do. So he calls a fast, and the whole country comes together, and they pray, and they wait on the Lord, and the word of the Lord comes through the prophet telling them what to do. And that word brought the victory. When you don't know what to do, just don't start doing stuff. You'll wait till you know. And, and, and when God shows you what to do, it will work every time. It'll be that which you need. But it makes us uncomfortable when we don't know what to do. And the more someone is developed in being an achiever, are there any achievers here? Someone that's an achiever, that really bugs them. There's, there's, there's a task at hand they don't know what to do. You're nodding your head there, Pat. Are you an achiever? <laughs> that, that drives that kind of person nuts. And the thing you have to restrain yourself, that you just don't do your first impulse, but you find out what's God saying about this. And there's a discipline on, on something that's good in you. That's good if you're an achiever. I mean, if it's used for God and, and you're not out ahead of him. So in any case, you know, some people, they need a word from the Lord, do this with a kick in the rear end to get them moving. You know, so God, he'll meet us where we're at, whether you're this way or that way. And here's Saul of Tarsus. He was the achiever's achiever. He was going to the pinnacle. He was at the height. He had all the status, the accomplishment. And he realizes because that was his work of his flesh, it's all worthless. That must have been a sad moment for him when that revelation came. All that I did was worthless. Now, praise God, he got the revelation. Sometimes along the way, we see certain things. You think, wow, I wish I would have saw that back here. Well, you didn't. Just don't, don't fret about it. Now you see it. Move forward in it. So here is Saul of Tarsus, and he's recounting here about when uh, the, he encountered the Lord. He's wanting to know what to do. The Lord says, go to Damascus. He's blinded. Ananias is sent by the Lord to him. He comes, Saul, receive your sight. And he speaks prophetically to Saul. And, and as we look at this in, in chapter 26, we see that the Lord revealed something personally by a, a vision from himself and then also through another believer, Ananias. Whether he just spoke out of his spirit, he spoke prophetically, that doesn't matter. He spoke it. He said, The God of our fathers has chosen thee, that you should know his will, see that just one, and should hear the voice of his mouth. For you shall be something. God makes us in to the man or woman he wants us to be to do his will. You don't just jump right in. He, 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 he develops you. He makes you into that person. It's a process. Brother Watchman Nee said, it takes 10 to 20 years, and this is just his experience, 10 to 20 years for God to make a workman. We call them leaders. He called them workmen. 10 to 20 years. There's a lot of death to the flesh and revelation knowledge needs to come and growth in our, in our inner man. There's a lot has to happen. But he's working on it. 
He's saying, God's chosen you to know his will, see the just one, and hear his voice. Now, the older I get, the more I like simple. Give it to me simple. I, I just get more that way. I don't know if you guys are like that, but just more, the more simple, the better. Life's complicated enough without me adding to it. Make it simple. That should always be a first approach when you're reading the Word. Don't read into every little thing. See the simplicity of what God's saying first. Start there. Then He can add to it. He can enlighten you more. But the simple of it is, I'm calling you, Paul, that you would know the will of God, you would see Him, and you would hear Him. And out of that, you will become something. Your ministry that I'm calling you to will come out of the simplicity of that. So Paul continued to seek the will of God. And more than anyone else, he brought forth a revelation of the plan of God for his church. Especially like the Ephesian epistle. When I'm reading that, that's my favorite one. Right now, it's a book of Acts. Because I'm reading, I love the word. Okay, if you caught my humor there. But... He brought forth the revelation of the plan of God. It's very important because we need to see the big work and then see where we fit in it, the work that's going on in you. Otherwise, you'll, you'll begin to think you're too important or too big. We need to see the work he's doing in us, the work he's doing in the church, the work he's doing in, you know, as we branch out, the work he's doing over the whole earth. And the Bible goes from... The beginning to the end. We see the end. We see work that's going to be done, some of it. So he's saying he's going to reveal the plans and purposes of God to you. And you need to see the just one. To see Jesus. Where do we see him? Oh, he might walk in the, in the hospital room and touch you or walk into your bedroom and speak to you. I always like to hear those kind of stories. That's the rarity. That's the exception. The norms, you see him in the Word. And the Apostle Paul, he, was, he knew the Old Testament prophets like nobody's business. And the Lord revealed himself in the Word. Anyone who says, oh, the Old Testament's not for today is a fool. Don't listen to him anymore. Oh, but they're a great Bible teacher. No, they aren't. To embrace that thing, you have to chuck out the Apostle Paul's ministry. Because he quotes from Isaiah and Jeremiah. He quotes from all of them over and over and over again and brings the revelation of Christ out of those scriptures. Now, I'm saying this for a reason. I'm not saying this to bust. I'm saying this for a reason. When we get into the Bible, we look for Jesus. I was in Nigeria well, a number of times, but it was maybe around 95 or somewhere around there. And Brother Ema used to take me around. There would always be an afternoon we would tour whatever's under construction and you know, all that. And uh, we were touring like a new place, and they had a, a children's school there. And I'm sitting with some principals and whoever, whoever's key leaders involved with it. And we're sitting in a, a little room and they give me a warm Coke. I don't drink Coke, but I especially don't like it warm. You know, it's air temp, 95 degrees. And uh, so we're, we're sitting there, and, 
And the, the head principal lady, she says, I have a question for you. So, well, sure. She said, how do you read your Bible? How do I read my Bible? No one ever asked me that. I never thought about it before. How do I read my Bible? I said, what do you mean? How do I read my Bible? So, well, you see things we don't see. Well, I didn't realize that. I thought about it. I said, I read my Bible looking for Jesus and a revelation of the heart and character of God. And I realized they read the Bible looking for the power of God because it was a very difficult place to live. If you don't have the power of God, you're not going to survive here. I mean, it's, it's a fight just to buy a pineapple. Someone's going to try and hustle you and steal from you and everything else. You need the power of God there. So they were reading the word looking for that. I was reading the word just looking to see the Jesus that I know that saved me and to see his heart. So I, I could, you know, she's saying you, you, you read the same thing we're reading, but you see something we don't see. So I'm going to ask you this question. You know, somebody asked Jesus, how do you read your Bible? Or Jesus asked the, them that, I guess it was. How do you read your Bible? Sometimes you, you could have a preacher reading the Bible looking for a message. Don't do that. Don't do that. Read the Bible looking to see him. Because he's there on every page. Just look for him. Look to see him. And he will reveal himself. Paul received the calling by revelation. He received the gospel of grace by revelation. He received that which he would need to enable him to fulfill the call by revelation. And he's saying, uh, the Spirit of God through Ananias to Saul of Tarsus, who later became Paul, he says, God's chosen you to know his will and to see that just one. Acts 2.17 says, the, the young men will see visions, the old men will dream dreams. And that seeing visions there is to see what is. To see Christ in the word of God. To see what is because that's the basis of your faith. As you mature, come an old man, you begin to dream of the future. You dream of something being done for the kingdom of God. You don't start out there. You start out beginning to see Jesus for who he is. And you love him because he first loved you. You have faith because you see what he has done and who he is. And on and on we go. Everything comes out of that revelation of Christ. So we begin, when we're starting out, seeing him for who he is. And then he begins to birth dream and the use of the word, the dream of the future, the dream of something being done for the kingdom of God, for nations being saved or whatever it might be. Your street corner getting saved, whatever it is. And you should hear the voice of his mouth. To learn to listen and hear his voice. Here's, a, here's the call of God, simple. As far, here, here's, here's a secret of success. You put that on a book cover and you'll sell. They sell. Put it, sell it in the airport. Secrets for success. Know the will of God. See the just one. See Christ. Hear his voice. It's that simple. Now, in the hearing his voice, it is imperative, especially, I think Dale mentioned this last, yesterday or last night, but I completely concur. The days we're moving in, 
it's more important than ever. Or it seems that way to me anyway. It's probably just because of the intensity of the, the hour. But we need to hear his voice. It was about, I don't know how many years it's been now, maybe seven. I was in India and the Lord spoke to me and said, you need to come apart in your time with me in a greater degree because you need to hear my voice with greater clarity. You're going to, be, in the days ahead, you're going to need to make decisions quickly. Yeah, I'm, I'm more of a, in my personality, I like to move slow. There's evangelists, I don't know if you know Tim Meyer, but we were friends years ago and he said he was watching a like National Geographic thing and, and was on a sleuth. And the sleuth's defense is it moves so slow, its enemies don't notice it. And he said he thought of me. <laughs> uh, you got to be able to laugh at yourself now and then. Don't take yourself so serious. My preference would be to move slow. But sometimes you need to hear from God now. And a decision may be very impactful, very important. What was it, three, four months ago? And all this stuff's coming down. What are you going to do? I'd make a decision then, same as you guys. Wait on the Lord. His will doesn't change. The governor doesn't change the will of God. We're having church. We're going to worship Jesus. If anyone will lock me up, ain't lock me up, but we're going to worship Jesus. Amen. So the decision's made. But I, didn't, I wasn't just being like off the cuff or something. But I was waiting on the Lord. Go to my prayer room, walk a little bit, lay on the sofa, wait, 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 all day. Thinking about Jesus, just looking to see him in the Bible. Read the word, just looking to see him. Not looking for an answer, just looking for him. Listening for him, and then, and then that came, and I knew of assurance, we'll be fine. We need to do this. Now, if someone felt led different, that's no condemnation. That's between them and God. I'm just telling you how that worked for me. I'm using as an illustration. Sometimes things can come to your doorstep. You need to hear from God now, not next month, not next year, not take a week fast. And we need to develop in that hearing. If you listen to some of Dale's stories, which you all do or you wouldn't be here, <laughs> there's a common thing. Of course, you already know what it is. I already told you the answer. You developed hearing his voice. And it would be, call that man up here. It's like what you were telling last night. That is essential for ministry. Not to flow like he does, but whatever he would, God would have you to do, we've, we must hear his voice. We must know it's him because when it gets tested, and it will, the only thing you can stand on is you know God spoke to you. We live by every preceding word from the mouth of God. Let me f flash over here Isaiah 50 verse 4 for a moment. I want to speak just a little bit here about the hearing part of it. It says here, the Lord God gives me the tongue of the learned that I should know how to speak a word in season. To him that's weary. We shouldn't just talk, be, 
quick to hear, slow to speak. James 1, 19. He wakens morning by morning. He wakens my ear to hear as the learned. Something that it's my practice now. I wake up early. I mean, I'm, I'm an early to riser person. But I wake up and I don't get up. I'll wake up and just lay there for like half hour, hour, hour and a half. I just lay and listen. It's great. Now, you need to go to bed with nothing really on your mind. In other words, you pray, you cast all your care on the Lord, you go to sleep in peace, you wake up in peace. You sleep in peace, you wake up. And there's nothing of the day on your mind. This is a discipline we want to have where we're not, our mind's just tossing, I've got to do this and do that and do this and do that. But we need to cast it on the Lord and allow ourselves to truly enter in and be still and know that He is God. Be still in part to, and, and just abide in His peace and listen to Him. Just listen for Him. You might say, well, that's not very exciting. Well, I'm an old man now, so don't take much. <laughs> it's not about excitement in the flesh. It's exciting when you hear from God and God begins to move because of that word. That's exciting. But before you get to that part of it, you need this part over here where you're waiting on him, just listening for his voice. You know, and then yeah, I get up and do all that I have to do and go to church and start to pray. But that's not the same thing just laying there still. It's not a good thing to push, 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 push in life. Push, push, push. You go to sleep exhausted and you need alarm clocks to get you up. Now, again, no condemnations of some people. It's for whatever reason, a struggle. But I'm just laying out to you, there's a better way. The better way is just go to bed a little bit earlier. And wake up when you're done. A lot of times I'll wake up and say, Lord, I'm just before the Lord. Should I get up or should I close my eyes and sleep some more? I don't have to get out of bed at any certain time. I'll wake up plenty early. Sometimes I'll feel in my spirit, you need more rest. And sometimes it's like, no, that's done now. <sighs> we expect to hear his voice. But there's a positioning that needs to happen for this. We have to be very careful when it comes to seeing visions, hearing his voice, that we don't allow our imagination to get into it. Because that's where a lot of believers get into some error. They're imagining certain things. Don't force anything. Don't try to make it happen. If we all close our eyes right now and don't do this, we could imagine we're at the beach. We could see it. Is that a vision from God? No, it's not a vision from God. And, and now I think about that word again. Back in the early 80s, the word vision was all the rage. You went to any leadership meetings. You heard it everywhere. And, and that was good. But one of the things that came out of that, it wasn't a proper presentation or handling, and people began to think that a vision is you thinking something up, you setting a goal and making a whole goal list. 
that's not a vision from God. That is simply goal setting. That's a good thing. You want to get some work done, you set some goals. However, that's not what a vision from God is. God, in, in a vision from God, he is showing you something. He is making something known by his spirit. And Jesus himself said, John chapter 5, uh, verse 17, verse 20, he said, my father works and I work. God's doing something. He's doing a work. And he said, I can't do anything except that he shows me, except I see what he's doing. And we need to have our eyes open to see what God the Father's doing in the work, in the midst, and listen for his voice, and then we just walk in the light of that. It makes it really simple. We're not some master planner. I like when the, this 85, I was at Victory Fellowship there in Tulsa, Dr. Cho was there. I wanted to hear Dr. Cho. The great man of God. And someone asked me, he brought up that, what's your secret to success? And he's standing there. He says, I pray and I obey. I pray. No, no, brother, what's your secret to success? There must be a secret to I pray and I obey. And, and there's a consecration in that. That if we're really serious about fulfilling the call of God, there's a consecration back to the calling of sanctification, consecration, holiness. There's a consecration that it takes that, okay, you said yes to God, but I'm going to position myself that I can know, see, and hear. And that positioning, one, is, is a positioning of, of listening, uh, positioning yourself in his word, to see him in the word. If you don't look at the word, how's he going to reveal himself in the word to you? Uh, sometimes, and one of the things that's very alarming to me about our culture today is there's too much noise. And you kids, you really need to hear what I'm saying here. You can get so used to so much noise, and I love my iPad. <laughs> But there's so much can be coming at you off the devices that you don't know how to be still and hear his voice. Be still and know that he is God. There's two Christian radio stations on my FM radio, and I'll check to see if there's something that would, if I'm driving. And I can only leave it on 25% of the time because most of it's just noise. I don't need noise. I'll, I'll ride with no sound. Wow, you are old. No sound. Yeah, I don't have to have a lot of noise in my head. If there's a song that, I, that, I, that ministers to me, yeah, I'll jump in there and sing it while I'm driving in the car. Brother, and that quiet's fine with me too. Too much noise. We have too much noise, and that's why people don't hear his voice with more clarity. To, to walk out the call of God, it's imperative that you're hearing him for what he wants you to do. You can't... Just mimic someone. That's work of the flesh. You can't just go on what someone else said. But what's the Lord saying to you? Now, if someone does not develop hearing God for themselves, you're not going to hear God for me, as far as I'm concerned. Or in other words, I can't trust you. If you want, it's just a little thing to observe. If someone 
Their life is a mess, and they're not hearing God, the Spirit of God, talk to them about their life. Why would He be talking to them about my life? Can't trust it. Now, I'm not saying they're not trustworthy in some other areas, but I can't trust them saying, well, the Lord is telling me this or that about you. I've learned to listen also to hear the heart of people. What are they saying the Lord's saying? So, it, you know, our church kind of a... Uh, I don't know, what, what's the expression? Something will say, what's the Lord saying to you, brother? What's the Lord saying to you? But you know, that's where accountability is. It's in real fellowship. Not the new sports and weather. Real fellowship brings real accountability. Because when someone says, the Lord spoke to me, he's called me to stand beside you, pastor. He's called me to serve in this area. They know, they know me around me for a while, I'm going to say, what happened to what you said God said? Or just in, in good-naturedness, I don't mean anything by this, I'll say, well, how's it going with what God said? Brother Pat, you told me that you're going to uh, fast and pray. How how'd that fasting and prayer go since the last time I saw you? <laughs> you know, well, that's a good thing. That's not to be, you know, like ignorant to people. It's good if we're brought to accountability that, wow, the Lord spoke to me and I didn't obey it yet. We need that. And there's ways you can do it where it's not like, you know, you're having to uh, fill out reports and answer to people. You know, you, people do accountability stuff on a piece of paper, but that's only as good as what you decide to tell me. It's not real accountability, but when you have real fellowship and someone has nothing there about Jesus ministering to them or in their time of prayer and, and he spoke to them, oh, I need to, to discipline myself more. I need to be kinder to, to my wife. Or, if there's nothing like that there, there's something wrong. He wants to talk to us every day to make us to be what he wants us to be. As in, in uh, Acts 26, 16, he said, I've appeared to you for this purpose, to make you and to be a minister and a witness for me. Here in, in 22, he's saying here, uh, I want you to, to, you're going to know and hear and see that you can be a witness for me. So, I, I have stuff from different messages all mixing together here. <laughs> Oh, praise the Lord. As we hear the Lord, an accountability is created. Don't just tell the whole world, but you should have some relationships that are of a deeper nature, a fellowship, and saying, you know, the Lord's saying this to me. Don't be afraid to just ask, be kind, but say, how's it going with what you said the Lord told you to do? Yeah, I do that expecting her testimony. But sometimes it's, uh, well, uh. And if someone doesn't want accountability, they won't tell you anything anymore. That's not good. But you'll know. They don't really want to be accountable. Well, we live and move. There's just a simplicity. Let's bring it into the simplicity. I want to know his will. See him in the word. If he chooses to walk in the door... And talk to me, I'd say, praise God, it's awesome. Or that's what I'd think probably after it was over. <laughs> when it happened, I'd just be in shock. But 
would be great. But we all have the same Bible. We have the same Holy Spirit. He wants to reveal Christ to all of us. All of the things of God. It's there for us. It's up to us to go get it. He doesn't have favor to say, well, I'll, I'll show Dale, I'll show Pat. He wants to show you. He wants to reveal himself to you. He wants to speak to you. He, he, he has a calling for all of us in terms of the work. It might not be the apostle, prophet, evangelist, pastor, teacher. That's not either here nor there. There's something he wants you to do. And our heart really should be, Lord, what do you want me to do? And you just wait till he says, and then you just do that. And be happy boy. I was happy boy moving refrigerators and pianos down three flights of stairs. Because it was for the Lord. I enjoy doing what I'm doing now. There was a Bible school student asked me once. I'll close it here. What do you do for fun? I looked at him. What do I do for fun? I'm having fun now. (laughs) The will of God's your fun, not a roller coaster, not a fishing pole in your hand. The will of God is fun. Just to obey him. I mean, that's the, that's the high life. <laughs> Sometimes my wife and I'll talk about these things and, and she'll say, uh, you probably ought not to say some of that over the pulpit. They'll think you're, we're really old people. <laughs> we just enjoy this. We don't have to go anywhere. We enjoy being together, to sit on the front back porch, you know, throw a ball for the dog. Simple. Learn to enjoy life in its simplicity. You don't need all the bells and whistles and flares and all the rest. Hear his voice, behold him, in his presence is fullness of joy. Amen. Brother Dale, I'll turn it back to you.